is that woman? <laughs> well, first of all, let me tell you, it's a, it's a real joy to be with you this morning. Uh, eventful week. Uh, isn't life eventful? <laughs> but we are, I, I believe that God has brought us together. I, I really don't think there are many things that uh, happen by chance and, and there is a design in everything God puts his hand to. Um, and he, he leads us in ways that uh, it's very difficult to understand them at the time, but then in retrospect, I don't know about you, but when you look at your life and the way God just knits everything together, you realize that God, even today, uh, is here and he's knitting things together for the days to come. Um, I'm, as been said, I'm Eliana White, originally from Italy. My, uh, my name used to be Zucchi, but then my husband changed it, he's Scottish. Um, I came to this country about 32 years ago in 1984 to study at the Bible College that we lead today. Um, I didn't know a word of English. I was only 18, so you can calculate 50. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible journey with God. Uh, came to this country thinking, I, I grew up in a pastor's house. Um, I was from a very young age I, I wanted to help my dad and I, I thought it was all a game you know it was, it was a, I used to play at uh, being his secretary and then I played about uh, being his editor and then I played about being um, his um, PA and I was only about 10 at the time and I thought it was just you know playing uh, my dad had his eyes on me and he, he really kept seeing uh, a desire to serve God in a very, very young uh, way. And then came to study at the Bible college thinking to go back and help my dad uh, in church plant. He was a church planter in the south of Italy. But God had other plans. And anyway, to cut the story short, I married a Scotsman who was at the uh, college. You, if you hear Scottish accent, so I've got a blend of uh, Italian accent, a, blend of <laughs> a bit of Scottish accent. And then we went to Spain for about 17 years to, as missionaries with the Assembly of God, and we were there until 2003. And then uh, came, were asked to come and join the board of directors of the Bible School, and then a few years ago we took it on. And I, my heart is very much development. I, I studied pedagogy, and my heart is really didactics of learning and, and uh, development in people, in children, yes, but today in young people. And, and it's, it's not so much to come today and just uh, say what I have to say and leave, but my heart is for you to develop, really. And, and I know that can be achieved only through this morning, but I would like to put some uh, bases down or help in, in your journey of actually continue to develop. You know, we never stop learning. We never stop developing. We never stop changing because we need to... We need to change. We need, we need to be on the move. God is always developed. There's much more. I realized in my life that I thought that God was great and I knew so many things. But I discovered that there's so much more. There's so much more to, to seeing God, to receiving God, to understanding God. So to me, uh, for me today, is part of this journey of discovering more. There is more. And uh, I, was, I was preparing. I do a lot of uh, things around places and God put something in my heart some months ago um, and I've been this is maybe something that is going on in a few uh, for a few months and I, I just want to share with you today and then I'll in in while I'm sharing I'm sure I'll continue to put a picture uh, 
around my life and also share my personal experience with God. And, and today, all, what I want to do is really focus on God's heart. Um, and I want to start by saying that, um, you know, in a, in, a conference, in, a, in a breakfast like this or in a morning like this, or, or when we come to church or when we go to visit somebody, one of the typical phrases we say is, you know, feel, your, feel at home, you know, make yourself at home. Uh, when I do conferences, what you want to do is people to feel comfortable. And this morning, I think the, the leaders or the people have put this together is for you to really feel at home. Do you agree? I mean, if, if Liz, if we, at the end of the day, we discover that people have, have come and they felt a bit rigid and not really feel at all, we, we, oh, we would be greatly disappointed because our heart is for you to be here today and really feel relaxed. And uh, when somebody, um, I like hospitality, you know, Italy, big family, big, lots of food. <laughs> um, Always a plate, yeah, join the table, come in, come in. And it's like, oh, feel at home, you know, make yourself at home, yeah, chill out, take your shoes off. We want to give that sense of rest. What do we mean when we say something like this? What, what do we aim for when we think about, oh, you know, we go on trips and we do things and then come back from a day's work and we just throw our shoes and say, oh, I'm home. What, what do we mean? And this morning, I want to actually analyze what, what is the sense that we look for. I think everybody is driven. Every day you go to work, you live almost your whole, entire day for, with a feeling to want to get home. <laughs> Have you ever thought of that? So everything you do, you, even the best things, you know, we've been on holiday a few weeks ago in Spain we go back and see the church it's like yeah fine and that was home so home from home which is different from just taking a trip but it's like at the end of the day, I just want to get home um, we do things and then towards the end just want to get home um, we want to go we want to go it's almost we want to go towards a place and but what is that place what, what does it symbolize what does it actually mean for us in our own life, we're constantly searching for that feeling. All our life is spent almost and built around this truth. We are born in a home and grow in it. We seek to build one around us. Wherever you go, you try and make it. I, my husband says, I'm, uh, I'm a bit crazy. I, when I travel, we go away for a weekend to do a conference. And I take a few things to go to the hotel room and make it my home. <laughs> he just shakes his head. Something wrong here. <laughs> you know, is that for a day, for two days? I was just saying to Liz, the, the team is just arriving because we're starting school in a couple of weeks, and the team is just arriving. And it's been fascinating this week to see each one of them making their little home. You give them a room. Sometimes it's three meters by two, and in that space, they're going to make their home. And they call, Yana, come, come. Okay, what's up? A purple picture with a purple flower. Fantastic. What does it mean to them? And, you know, in Bible school, uh, the student, we've got Sophia and Aurora. Hello, Aurora, hello, Sophia. <laughs> They're the girls, some of the girls. And they come, and, you know, you should see what they've got. They've got just a bed. Sometimes it's the bottom part of the bunk bed or the top part. A little chest of drawer and a little wardrobe. And in that contained space, they are making their home. The desk becomes their home. It's almost like the little flower, and you can see the personalities. And no matter how close, no matter how small the space is, we still need to find that place. 
We, we seek to build one around us all the time. In parents' home, children build a closer home in their own room. It's fascinating. They've got their own, their own house, but then the room becomes the home within the home in a deeper place for themselves. What is that place? What is that place? What is drawing us towards that place? Very interesting. Then we go into the whole development of life and we become parents and then we prepare a home for others. And so we prepare a little room, we prepare a place where the child can be born. But what is, at the end of that, what exactly are we looking for? I want to just put a clip on. Uh, two contemporary, very interesting, just in this last few months, two of our contemporary singers, secular singers, sing two amazing songs about take me home, make myself a home. I don't know if you want to put that on. It's uh, the one of... Take Me Home by Jess Glynn. Just listen. I've, I've chosen this because it's got the, uh, the words. Just, just follow it up a bit. Wrapped up, so consumed by all this hurt. If you ask me, don't know where to start. If I lose control, if I'm lying here, will you take me home? started to sing this song and uh, wrote this song um, at the time when she was considering committing suicide. And it's it just, it, it's quite something to hear it. This desire, this crying out to be taken home. 
Where? Where to? What does it mean? Take me home. Take me to a place where I can have, I can find what my brokenness can give me. And it's that desire that's screaming out. Then we will see one later. Very interesting, the two, um, as I say, contemporary singers are singing something that I don't think they even know, they, they understand what they're saying. They don't even understand what they're saying. But I want to, before we go more in advance, I want to explain something to you about a concept of habitat. Um, just to, to put some kind of foundation to what I want to say after. A natural habitat is, is an ecological or environmental area where a specific species lives. It is a place in nature uh, that particular species call home. And it's called an habitat, a natural habitat is called also a natural home. It is in fact called, uh, in, in the scientific world, really the terminology is a natural home for a species. There are many different types of habitat, different species have adapted to the different habitats over time. And species um, come to rely and function on its specific natural habitat for resources that include nourishment, relationship, a place to mate, uh, and procreation, a place to raise their young. And this is actually from the wildlife definition. An habitat is a designed place that wildlife needs to hide in, rest in, being fed in and mate in. So this is what a natural habitat is. There are needs in, in, the, in the world, in the natural world, of these four things. We need them to exist. We need them to function. We are created with these four elements in ourselves that we need of, and if we don't have them, we die. Uh, so it's to hide ourselves, that's shelter, uh, to rest in a place, to be fed in a place, and to have relationship in a place. And that is exactly what we look for at the end of a day. Would you agree? A place to hide. You know, I live in a, in a Bible college on the campus with about 60 people living in the community. community and it's 24-7. Uh, it's, it's not a huge campus. And my house is like a fishbowl because it's um, on the first floor and there are windows all around and the students and the team passes all because so you, you feel like a fish in a, a bowl and you, hello. <laughs> it's quite interesting. But you know, sometimes I hide. Sophia, you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> the principal hides. But it's not a hiding. It's just you need to, you need to well, gather. You need to come away. And it's a place to rest. It's a place to be fed. You need to re-energize. These are the things that we look for. And it is, import it is important to recreate an habitat like they, they do in a zoo um, in order for a particular animal to survive. Unless you recreate, if you take an animal from their natural habitat, unless you recreate a natural habitat at the best, in the best of your ability, that animal can die because it can't function within something that it's not created for him. And uh, it, it is said in the, in the animal world that animals can actually adapt and survive in a, a, an habitat that is not theirs, but under extreme stress and limitation on function and performance. So there is, uh, there, there is an optimal, uh, optimal performance or a very, very low performance. According to the stress, if the habitat is actually um, uh, optimal for them or no. 
And we as human beings, exactly the same. We were created for a habitat. You know, you have to think about, we weren't just thrown there. God prepared, I mean, we won't have time today, but if we, if we could and looked at the preparation that God made for, for humanity, you, it would blow your brain, you know, this morning. You would really see the detail, what was contained in the Garden of Eden, what, what creation meant to God. And... Uh, the other uh, thing I wanted to, to talk about is God in his preparation of, of a habitat for us, he really showed his care, his care. I, I was, as I said, I, I studied pedagogy and, and studied the, the whole aspect of caring for children and, and developing children and uh, see children go through all the ages and, and we studied a lot of things about age uh, development and so on and so forth, all the didactics related to it. But one of the things, I, I trained under the model of Montessori, some of you might have heard of it, and Montessori was this doctor who developed this theory in the, 18th, uh, uh, the 19th century that um, until that time, the school, school education had been uh, to a place where uh, children were just arriving in a classroom and the relationship was between teacher and, and children and it was basically bare and you just listened to the indication that you were given. But she started to see how important the environment was. Started to study the importance of preparation. They, she, she developed a theory that if children didn't have the right environment around them, they wouldn't be able to learn and therefore they wouldn't be able to respond to anything. So she went into a real revolution of the educational system. And can I say, most of today's educational system is based on the model of Montessori, which discovered that the child, she, my teacher used to say to me when I was training, never mind about the child just now. Never mind about the child. You have to prepare a place for the child. You have to first prepare a place. And you go into masses of preparation in order to create the environment in which that child can grow and develop. Without that, you are actually um, stumbling up, um, uh, uh, across educating the child. And she, she always brought this point home that love was demonstrated more in the preparation than the, the actual now. And I found out with the years that that is so true. That is so true. Um, you know, I travel a lot and I go in, sometimes you're in the five-star hotel and sometimes you're in the stable in Africa or whatever. You're that. You're, you're that. Uh, but you know one thing, I've, I've come to really uh, experience uh, very, very often is how love is demonstrated in preparation. I come to some homes and, and it's almost like you stumble upon their home. You know, you arrive and, oh, you're here. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry, I put you in this room, but it's not quite, will you hold this and you're there? Yeah, fine. You, you're not expecting anything. But you know, it's, it's a fine, adaptable, no problem. But you know, it's like. And then we love you. Oh, we were so, we're so delighted to have you. <laughs> and you're thinking, yeah, fine. You know, whatever you say, yeah, if you believe it, gone. <laughs> and then you come to some places. Can I tell you that I know that I've been preparing for a couple of weeks for you to arrive. Yeah. I'll tell you. They don't need to say, I love you. We appreciate you. The, the preparation... 
that has gone before makes everything that happens come to life. And in the other scenarios, nothing is born. It's interesting. But you're still there. You're still talking. But there is no birth. Whereas when there is a condition, when there is a condition, something is born. It, it creates a platform, it creates a contest, a habitat for rest, for being fed, for exchange. And I want to tell you, God has not only, doesn't only want, to, want you to have a place, a particular place in him. He has prepared this place for you. He's actually gone into great extent of preparation to, to create a place where you could abide in him. You know, we as human beings were created in desire. We were, didn't stumble upon. We didn't land like Mr. Bean did. Uh, we didn't just come and, you know, it happened. We were created in desire. We were created in desire. You know, many people in Bible college students say, but why did God create the world? Did he not have the angel? We have all the theological questions. And I, I always answer, I always think there is no reason for, there, there is no explanation for creation. The same way um, um, a married couple, a young married couple want to have a baby. Why do they want it? Can you put a reason to that? Can you, can you actually say it's because this, this and that, or it's because when they're old, somebody can care for them. It's, a, it's an instinct of love. You know, love creates. Did you know that? Love creates. It's interesting what you create when you love. When you don't love something, you have no time for anything. You can't create, you're not creative. No, that's not, you know, that's not my gift. But boy, when we love something, suddenly creativity just pops from every pore. And you think, is that the same person of last week? Is that the same person of two weeks ago? Where is all this coming from? You know what? It's coming from love. Love creates. And you know, God created you because he loves. You can't put a... Uh, an explanation God created in desire he desired you you didn't even exist but he desired parents desire a child they don't even know what the child is going to look like they just desire and I'm explaining this because it is so important that we understand that we, understand that we are created out of into what you're created out of, you will eventually have to return to. That is the place. Never separate from the things you've come out of. Because the places where you've come out of, those are the places where truly you have to come to. Do you understand the, the concept? You, we were created out of God. There is only one place where we can find home again and it's in God you were created out you return to out of into there is no other place unless you, you know if you if you believe that you were created out of a big bang return to the big bang in fact maybe you live in the big bang every day in your life <laughs> everything is bang <laughs> confusion nothing there that is what you will live because you actually rest in that which you came out of. Do you understand? You rest and return in your heart to that where you come from. 
And I can tell you, God created you. If you don't know God today, I want to tell you, you came out of God. You came out of God. Believe it or not, that is the only restful place you will ever find. And if you haven't found that place, it's because maybe you didn't know that initially that's what you created from. You know, I've got my elderly parents in the south of Italy. My father is 90, my mother is 85. They're, bless them, they're there. They're my mom and dad. And it's like, there is a, I've made a home with my husband and that is our home. But when I go to my mom and dad's home, I'm 50 and it's like, I will always be five in that place. <laughs> it's a wonderful place. It's like, you know, there's an amazing blessing in that place. You know, like they do the adverts on TV, uh, secret places or, or uh, what is it called, all-inclusive all holiday. You want an all-inclusive holiday? I go to my mom and dad. That's all-inclusive. You, you, you go on holiday with your own car, then you decide to go to Greece or to Spain. And, and sometimes I, I, I say with my husband, the, the, the car is demon-possessed. You know, it, she's got a life of her own. It's like, you, oh, God, today we've spent 150, or two, tomorrow we've spent 80. And you think, this is building up. Then suddenly I go to my mom and dad. And it's like free, free board and lodging. <laughs> Free restaurant, <laughs> free everything. It's like the blessing. It's home. It's a, it's a place where you're fed. It's a place of rest. I go and there's no. I don't have to put up with any. I have to. I don't have to put up airing graces. I don't have to. You know how we are with one another. We've still got those um, social <laughs> skills we need to. <laughs> implement every day in our lives but there there's there's no social scale is that mom what is <laughs> open that my, my, my i want to make you i don't want to make you laugh but it's, it's so joyful really isn't it there is always a pot on my mother's stove there's always something bubbling boiling what is it oh. <laughs> fantastic you know there's always a pot on god's fire there's always something bubbling in the father's house. There's always nourishment. There's always rest. There's always love in God. And God really this morning, if I can just transmit that to you, God has got a place in the spirit realm which is just as, just as uh, uh, close to a natural realm. There is a place that is called home. It's God's heart. God's heart is your home. God's heart is your home. Every day, you might think it's just a physical need. But I'll tell you, every time, remember this, every time at the end of the day, you want to go home to rest. It is not physical rest you're looking for. It's spiritual rest. And I want to encourage you, in a society today which, where physical rest has become the thing, we need to chill out. Leisure has become entertainment and leisure is the indication of the enemy that this is the way you rest. I want to tell you, your rest comes from God. It's at the end of the day to come to God. 
It's at the end of the day, starved and come to him. The same way in the physical, you need all those four elements. You need them in the spiritual. You need them in the spiritual. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, our Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things by you. They, are held, they were created and have their being and are held together. We, Acts 17.24 says it so clearly. We came from him. We find ourselves in him. We need to find a very place where we come from. You know, your search for a home and its blessing actually tells you what you were created for. You were created for those things. But more importantly, what you, create, what you were created out of. In other words, what you so desperately need and seek is the very thing God created you in. He created you in rest, nourishment, etc., etc. And I, I just want to dedicate a few minutes to really dissect a bit um, what are these elements of our home, our spiritual home? What do you seek or so deeply need in home? First of all is the hiding, the shelter, the privacy, the retiring to. Psalm 32, 7, I will just be quoting some verses. says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And I want to tell you this morning that when you're seeking that hiding place, when you're seeking that shelter, when you're seeking that moment of intimacy and privacy or retiring to a place, it is not a physical place. You need to find that in God. You need to every day uh, come to a place of hiding yourself in him. You can do it. You can see God as that real heart refuge. How about to... Uh, Maybe through life circumstances or my lifestyle, I need to find that place. I'm always on the road. And maybe it's been highlighted even more. I'm always on the road and I move from one thing to the other. But I need to find in, during my day and at the end of my day or at the beginning of my day, that hiding place. That place that it's unchangeable. No matter what goes around, that stays the same. That is my home. And over the years, I, I fretted because I wasn't home. I love my home. I, I, I love my home. I just love it. I love decorating, interior design, and, and I, I just love to make those places. But, you know, I've had to find that same beauty in God. And I paint pictures of what is my time with God. I paint pictures. I was sitting, I was worshiping God now, and I was just worshiping in my home. I don't know how to explain that. I mean, I, words fail me. It's, it's that place with God. Have you found that place? Do you, have, do you live in that place? Do you live in that place of hiding? When trouble comes, when instigation, when confrontation, when conflict, do you live in turmoil or do you go home? Do you go to that place where you can hide? internally because I'll tell you something sometimes we just go home in the physicality I don't want to talk about it but actually we don't find the shelter therefore when we go the next day we are in attack mode because we haven't rested yes. do you understand what I'm saying you have a conflict with somebody something really blows up you go home and you think I'm gonna get away from everybody tonight I don't want to see anybody I'm gonna watch 
watch a movie, I'm going to rest. But unless I'll tell you something, I'll rest you, say, you rest in the soul. The following day, you are not rested in the spirit. And tomorrow is war again. Then you say, you know what? Life is tough. Let's order a pizza. <laughs> it has to be a pizza. I'm Italian. Let's order a pizza. And you think, I'm satisfied. I filled up. Who cares what other people say? I'll tell you, you're not being nourished. The following day, you're starving. And starving people are dangerous people. I'll tell you, you know why a lot of conflict in the world today? It doesn't come through, you know, yeah, there is war everywhere. It comes from the fact that people are starving. Starving people are dangerous people. And spiritual starvation, I've noticed, is one of the most dangerous things. You know when you are speaking to somebody who is spiritually starving. They go at you. They're going to get everything you've got. They want from you. They become emotionally dependent. They want from you what God can't give them. Therefore, they are after you. And I say, hey, mate, I can't give you what God needs to give you. Why are you upset with me and trying to get it from me? Starving people. Are you starving? Are you not sleeping spiritually? Not getting the rest that you need? The Bible says, you are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Another area that we need to really seek God with is rest. Rest as in understanding as recharging. Regrouping, you know, when I rest, I need to regroup. Things get scattered during the day, and you regroup. You put things where they are meant to be. Resting means, you know, tidiness and getting into a place where now I can rest. Order. It means re-energizing, recharging. Psalm 62 verses 1 and 2 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God alone. Truly, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Truly is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. And I keep thinking, you know, there's another verse, Psalm 37 says, you are my, you are my strong tower. My strong, though uh, though uh, uh, the enemy may besiege me. You know, I, I always get this picture of the enemy all around, but as long as you are, in the strong tower. Though the enemy, it's all around. My help comes from the Lord. And you, you really, not physically, but spiritually find that place of rest. Do you rest in God at the end of a day? Do you rest in God at the end of a season? Do you rest in God at the end of a, a very strenuous project? Do you rest in God after the challenges of, of family, challenges of life, challenges of of uh, relationships, do we find a rest? God is our rest. God is our rest. You know, rest is something that, oh, we, the, the, the students are often tired. Aurora, <laughs> life at VTI is tough. Uh, seven, you know, from very uh, early morning, it's, it's all half an hour break and uh, every half an hour something, switching from one thing to the other. And you go around and I'm tired, I'm shattered, everybody's shattered. But today, around the world, you speak to people, everybody's stressed. It, it's unbelievable, honestly, it's unbelievable. It, it's, it's the new terminology, I'm stressed, 
I'm shattered. I'm exhausted. We don't even use tired anymore. Interestingly enough, we've gone really. <laughs> yeah, nobody says I'm tired anymore. I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. Exhausted. Um, shattered. I'm just done in. Done in. We use all this, and we. But that is indicative of of a state. It's indicative of a state. That our heart is going through. Our heart is not finding that place where it re-energizes. I want to tell you, God is your refuge. God is the only one where you can truly go to and find rest. How do you do that? Maybe your question, Liz, you'll have to keep me on track. I'll, I, uh, ten minutes. I, I need to be accountable. <laughs> um, you may say uh, to me today, Eliana, but what are you talking about? How do you find that rest? How do you find that rest? Well, I want to ask you, how do you rest? How do you rest? Tell me. What do you do? You, you sit. You sit. You put your feet up. How do you rest? A bit, a bit of... Read. Yeah. Turn off the mobile. It's... You actually... Go home and sleep. Sleep is, yeah, sleep is, is the biggest um, uh, therapeutic tool <laughs> for, for rest. But the same things you do in the physicality, you have to learn to do them in the spiritual. So what do you do? You appease your soul before God. You put your feet up. So when I, after a day of turmoil, I just come home. And I sit in my heart. Lord, now it's feet up. In that place, I don't let other people come in. That is the secret. I want to tell you, I want to, if I can help you today, there is, you have to create a room which is the holies of holies and nobody else can come in that place. Because as long as you let people in the holies of holies, you are in big trouble. You don't have a place to go to. And in my heart of hearts, there is one room that nobody else gets in. Sorry. But they've done this to me. No. In that place, there is forgiveness. In that place, there is peace. In that place is surrender. I don't care what they've done. I don't know. I can't help them. But in that place, I surrender. It's my place of worship. I worship. You know, you can't worship where there is unforgiveness. You can't worship. You can't love where there is unforgiveness. You can't rest where there is unforgiveness. So, what I'm speaking is about a place that you decide to give to God. It's not God that has to find His way somehow into your life. You give Him a place that is only for God. My bedroom. It works this way. My bedroom is only for my husband. My, the, the layers of my life, as they gradually come in, less and less people are present because they come closer and closer to that core. Between my husband and myself, we don't let anything in. We don't let, my husband is very strong in not criti- criticizing people. He said, don't you think, he told me years ago, because I was a bit of an Italian, blah, 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 and he said, don't think that because we are married, what we say between us is no criticism. 
Don't, say, don't think because we say it, we can say whatever we want. We still have to keep the same Christ-likeness in our marriage. And in between that, in my bedroom, nobody gets in. But there is a further, there is a place that is even more intimate, is your relationship with God. And between you and God, there can't be anything present. And if, if there is anything present between you and God, which can be unbelief, there can be hatred, there can be unforgiveness, you have to leave them at the door. You've actually to say, God, before you, I surrender. Before you, I forgive. Before you, and you find, you will find that when you enter a place and lift your legs up and start to find this slowly in God, you fall asleep. I can tell you, you fall asleep. Just find that place. Say, Lord, everything else is outside, but in you, I engage in my rest. I come in you and I know that only you can recharge me. Only you can re-energize my soul. Also, in, 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 in a home, we, we need to be fed. You know, we go home and it's so typical, starving all day and not time to eat and then you get home. And home is symbolic of the place where you are nurtured and where you children are fed and where children are primary needs are, are met. And in feeding, I mean more than just the, the, the food we eat, but it's the, the caring for the body. It's, a, it's that real care, nourishment, caring time, healing time. The body needs to heal. They, unless we, you know, uh, unless we continue to eat, we, we will starve and die. The body needs to be cared and washed. And if, if it's sick, it needs to be brought back to health. And all that, in, in, uh, particularly in Psalm 81, 10, says, I, the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Many people think this verse means open your mouth, say what you want and I will fill it. It's talking, in that context of that psalm, it's actually talking about nourishment. Open your mouth and I, I, I will feed you. you. Your need will be met in me. John 6 says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not go hungry. And he who believes in me will never thirst. In God we find our true nourishment. There is no protein or minerals or vitamins that can beat God's nourishment and I, I want to tell you God's word needs to become your nourishment but I want to just make a, 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 a parenthesis here in a society where now sugar food are the, are the, the answer with publicity and we are bombarded I mean you go to supermarket and, and it's like the sugar food Culture, I want to tell you, the church is, ex is developing exactly the same as sugar food uh, um, uh, culture. You can take from the word of God only the sugar. But I'll tell you, I'll tell, I want to tell you something. The sugar of God's word will kill you. The sugar of God's word will eventually kill you. Too much sugar will kill you. What are you saying? God's word is fantastic. Yeah, but you see, God's word has got protein. That nobody wants to eat the meat. Paul calls it the meat. It's the tough bit. Nobody's, 
Not many people are interested in that side of God's word. You know, it's, the, it's, the, it's when Christ calls us to his Christ-likeness. And, and there is the minerals and there are the vitamins that we need to. And what I'm trying to say is God, God's nourishment has to be taken in, in the completeness of the package. Because today we can develop this sugar addiction to the word of God. And I'm not talking just from, for talking sake. I know what I'm talking about. There are many people that live on the sugar of God's word. Their life shows. Their life shows. It's the sugary bit. It's the promises. It's all forgiveness. It's all great. And it is. And it is. But there is another side of balance. When we have to go, we have to come to God in honesty and let him feed us what needs, what he knows we need. Just like you and your child, you know what they need. They would like to always eat the same things. But you know what is good for them. You know, God knows what is good for you. I want to encourage you to, even in your daily reading, in your daily time with God, allow God to nourish you in the fullness of the diet. It's like, you know, sometimes it's like, about maybe a little bit enough of this. Let's go into more the, the changing of my attitude. Let's, let it seep more into challenging my lifestyle, challenging my attitude, challenging my mindset, and let God really uh, feed you in the totality of his truth. Because his word is truth and is a complete truth, not a dissected truth. Another area is mating. Uh, they said in the natural world that if animals are left by themselves, they die. And I think that's so true of human beings as well. It's just that not many come as close to that experience. Uh, we, I just heard a story so sad a couple of weeks ago of a man who was, uh, had some mental issues. And, um, but he, he, had, he was well into his 50s and his elderly mother, 85, who he, he lived on his own, and he went to see his mother from time to time. And this 85-year-old lady uh, notified uh, the authorities that she hadn't seen her son for a couple of weeks. The authorities said, we can't do... She said, would you go and check? Uh, she, she was not mobile. And they said, oh, we can't intervene. This is jurisdictional. Anyway, time went by. Social services were called in. They wouldn't do it. So nobody could do it. Five weeks on, she managed to crack uh, someone's head. And they finally went. And he had been dead in his apartment for five weeks. And today, we, we, now, our social system can't, can't get around. I don't know. I, forgive me when I say I don't know. I don't understand how that is possible. But it is. But death, you know, loneliness brings death. And God has created a place of intimacy with him because you need, you need a relationship with him first and with others. And, and that home with God is a place of exchange. When we're talking about mating, we're talking about intimacy. Intimacy, playing, connecting, relating. Those are all the sorts of things that we do in, in a family context, in, 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 in the context of our home. That's where we are intimate with our children, husbands and wife. We play. Um, my husband and I, 
uh, yeah, we used to play. We, when we went to Spain, when we were young, there was just nothing. We didn't know. We church planted for, seven, for five years. There was no, nobody that we knew. And, and so we played a lot, of course. We enjoyed it. But uh, we played. And it was like Yahtzee, Ludo, Pictionary. No, yeah, you can see our age, yeah? <laughs> Chess. And it, it, it's the place where we... We play and we watch a movie and we re-energize through relationship. Connecting, relating, that is all part. If, you, if you're not connected to God, that's the other thing. If you're not playing with God, if you're, can you play with God? Yes, you can. You, you can have a laugh. You can, if you're not having that place of connection, you're actually going to slowly die. Isaiah 62 says, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. You know, some, some years ago, one of the most romantic, you know, husbands are, yeah, what they are. Um, <laughs> they're not very romantic at times. And then, it's funny, they're not very romantic at times. And then they go into, John does, he goes into this romantic, really extreme. And you think, he's making up. <laughs> no, he's a great guy. Hey, honor him. He he's, he's loves me to what I am today. And uh, but one of his most romantic. I've got some of his romantic, some of his letters of 32 years ago. We had time for letters. Um, one of his most romantic phrases says, "One day he said, you know, Eliana, he had uh, at one time he went through great difficulties with his family. There was a bit of t- a lot of turmoil. And one day he said, you are my home. You're my home. It's like." Oh, sweet. Let's phone him. <laughs> You're not taping this, are you? Sophia, what are you doing? Sit down. <laughs> John hasn't sent you, hasn't sent you a text this morning. Spy on her. You are my home. Oh, I felt so. It, it meant you are the place where I find refuge, intimacy. It's that intimacy. And you know, God has got that place for you. Intimacy. Intimacy, a place, what is intimacy? I always think it's, you know, we've, we've created this module, um, the, the Eden, marriage being our Eden, our Garden of Eden. And, and it's true for us, for my husband and I, it's true. Um, come through many turmoils. Many years ago when I just was married, I was a pedagogue, I, I studied for, uh, to, to work for children all my life, it was my passion. Came from a big Italian family, six children. And my thought was I was going to prepare so well. One day I was going to have my own family. Two years on when I, from when I was married, I was only 22, and I was bluntly told, you cannot have children. And my world crushed. My world absolutely crushed. And I went through an incredible depression. God did an amazing work in my life through that. Today I stand as a real testimony of his Grace, abundant, that's, that surpasses all that we can ever imagine. But you know, it's, it's that place of that Garden of Eden. And many times we, we have found with my husband, uh, even in that pain, because we went, that brought a lot of pain through our marriage, but the, it brought us to a place of understanding that this was a place of you are naked and you're not ashamed. But not only physically, you, are, you, are, you can be naked. You can be natural, you can be yourself and not be ashamed. That is the Garden of Eden. 
That is God to us. And you know, I've come to a place, I was saying to Liz, a couple of weeks ago we met to Liz, and I said, you know Liz, I carried shame. I don't know how to describe it, but I lived in shame for years. Shame was my mantle. Because it's all, it's all knitted in who we are as women. And you know, today I stand without shame. Today I stand without shame. I've lost my shame. God has become my shame. He, he hung on the cross in totality of nakedness. And you know, nakedness is symbolic of intimacy. When, just think, just think this way, the more intimate, the more naked. The more naked, the more intimate. The more you reveal, the more you come into a place where you're willing to reveal and not be ashamed, a place of love, that is true intimacy. And with God, some of you may not have reached a place of total vulnerability before God. Total nakedness. No hiding, Lord, but I did this because, Lord, I've got my justification. If I'm so hard and if I'm so forgiven because they did it. You know, I see it this way in my own life. When I'm trying to hide from God, I start to put clothes on. And the clothes are my excuses, my, my uh, justification. My, I start to put layers. And then God says, what? Carry on. Are you going to come close? Are you going to? Because until, you know, until you are naked... We can't join. And it's in the physicality. I'm saying something physical. In a marriage, the more, the more I come close, the more I have to be willing to let go. The more I have to let go of, oh, don't look at this. Oh, sorry. You know, with everybody else, I'm, yeah. <laughs> then you come. With my hubby. And you know my hubby loves me. And I love him. And it's, you find that place where you say, you know what? Yeah, there's a spotty here. And there is a little thing here. But it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. What I notice also in intimacy is that the more you come close, the more clean you have to be. You know, it's fine when you are a young person and... uh, you're about 20 and you go running and you come back at night and you think, oh, I'll take a shower tomorrow. My husband has always been all his life a joker. He, he gets up in the morning. Well, he doesn't do it so much now because his knees are playing. But he used to, for years, he's got up at five, get dressed, all geared up, gone running. Comes back in British weather, two hours later, two hours run, drenched between the sweat and the rain. And I'm still in my bed, and he takes me my coffee before he goes in the shower. And sometimes he comes and says, get in the shower. <laughs> shower. You're not coming here. Shower. <laughs> Dripping. Your coffee. And he's always trying to get smooch anyway, whenever possible. Get, get there. And what I notice is, the more you want to come close to somebody, the cleaner you have to be. Ah, it's okay if you don't take a shower and today I'm not coming closer to anybody. But try, when my husband tries at the end of a working day, uh, come near and, <laughs> have you taken a shower? <laughs> no. What have you been doing? I was, eh, yeah, understand. Yeah, we, we, you know, intimacy 
comes as a consequence of purity. Purity means holiness. You know, I want to encourage you uh, to find a place of intimacy, that home with God. Maybe you have to let go of some dirty things. I'm not talking dirty, but I'm, I wasn't meaning dirty things. I was meaning some, some things that are not clean. Because intimacy with God needs purity. It needs holiness. But it needs a, a holy mind. It needs a, a pure thought. You cannot... I want to tell you something. If you, you cannot come and be intimate with God with dirty thoughts about people. Not dirty in terms of morality, but judgmental. Things that are not pure. Because your intimacy with God depends on your purity of body, soul, and spirit. And I think we'll have a break. Is that okay? Yeah, we'll continue. <laughs>